This program is pre-recorded. Live with Ryan Reese from Southern California. This is Live with Ryan Reese. Post your questions using the hashtag LiveRyanReese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. All right. You know what? Now that I'm actually talking about that, we are going to Chile. We are going to Chile on the Kill the Noise Tour. Uh, I think we're doing... How many schools, Lucas? Is it 20? It's about like 20, 24, 26. Go up to the mic. Yeah. 24 to 26 schools. And then we're going to you know, do skate contests as we always do in the city. And we're, I think where we're going in Chile. Do you know Sebastian from Chile? Yeah. Iquique. Yeah. Where's it called? It's called Iquique. Iquique. And it's a couple hours up from Santiago. North, yeah, north. But dude, I just saw photos. It's like a surf town. Yeah, it's a surf. It's weird because from my understanding, it's a surf town, but there's also like sand dunes. So it's like desert off with road the ocean right there yes yeah, so, so sandy so we'll be able to uh they're cool people man we'll be able to get on some quads off road you know Maybe, they got those I don't there know. they have to get they're cool people though. surfing skating so is sebastian yeah yeah he's a cool he's guy it's cool. gonna go to, yeah, i think he's actually works in the school district right yeah something yep, yep. yeah teaches english teaches math oh teaches math yeah yo he's it's gonna be sick though i cannot yeah. wait to to get down there and uh Two of the schools. So, hey, you know what? Maybe you're listening and you're in Australia. Actually, speaking of Australia, we're going to be going back to Australia, too, in August. Uh, we're going to hit all the major cities from east to west coast of Australia. Um, if you would like us to come to your uh, town, no matter where you're at in the world, invite us, and we will come. We bring the gospel to the schools. That's the whole great commission of, of uh, what Jesus has given us. That's our mission as the whosoever's is to bring the gospels to uh, people that don't believe so that they can encounter God and, and have a, a relationship with them and be forgiven of their sins. And basically, it's simple as just living that life that he put us on this earth for. So today, we are going to uh, we're going to answer questions. I got Sean McKeon and Wade O'Neill in the studio today. You guys heard past shows with these guys, and they're always epic, and we always get a great response. If you do want to submit questions, you could do it in a couple ways. You can call uh, to one of the live shows. Or you could actually just email us uh, at the whosoevers. Uh, go to the whosoevers.com, email us your questions. Or on Instagram, on the whosoevers, or Facebook, you could submit your questions by typing or actually just do a video, um, video question. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, just record it and send it to us, and we'll play it live on the show and answer the questions. So mm-hmm. we got a lot of questions. It's about to go down. Let's get into it. Sick. All right, mm-hmm. question number one. Why did God allow Satan to be in the Garden of Eden? Why did he allow? Well, first of all, let's do a little background uh, uh, story on Satan. Mm. We know that he is a, his name was Lucifer, son of the morning star. And it talks about him uh, being there at the throne of God. And, you know, when, when you read about him in Isaiah, you read about that he, the way he was built, he was uh, set in gold. It says that he uh, had wisdom, right? Mm-hmm. He was the most wise, most beautiful of, of, of the heavenly beings. It says he has like different kinds of stones placed into him. He had like a, uh, what are they called? Like organs? Almost, yeah. Like organ, like placed into his chest. Uh, he had like a, it called it a tremble in, in, um, in the King James, which was like a, it was like a symbol uh, that had like, uh, like, like um, what do you call it? Like um, animal skin. Right, so it's basically look. It had like a drum on one side, and it had like a tambourine, like a tambourine. Yeah. That's what it was like—a tambourine with like a 
with like a, some kind of a material on the side to create like a bass drum. Mm-hmm. So you got the bass drum, you got the tambourine, the cymbals for the highs. He has the mids, mid range, which is the organs, and then his voice would have been, you know, the vocals. And they believe some Bible believers, Bible scholars believe that he was like the um, choir director yeah. in heaven. But he was one of the three angels. You have mm-hmm. archangels. Archangels. He had um, Michael. Michael, which always came from Jesus. Then you have Gabriel. Or am I flipping it backwards? Gabriel came from God, and then they, they believe, we don't know, that from the Holy Spirit could have been the Lucifer archangel. So we know that there was a war in heaven. He was trying to revolt. He was causing a revolution to come against God because he said he wanted to ascend higher mm-hmm. than, um, than God. Basically, he wanted to be God. Mm-hmm. And he had some kind of clout in, in heaven with angels because one-third of the angels – uh, joined forces to come against God. And I always trip out on this. And let's, let's all kind of talk mm-hmm. about this for a second. I trip out on this because, like, what kind of clout did he have that they actually thought they could warn heaven to take God out? Like, mm-hmm. how, like, what was the thought process if God is a spirit and he lights up heaven and he's, he's massive? Yeah. How did they think they could revolt against him? It was the apex of pride. You know, I think even too, like you see that in, in human nature to revolt against God is pride to think you are. They were deceived. Yeah, because pride is deceptive. The yeah, Bible says yeah. that pride is one of the six things that the Lord hates. We're never more like Satan when, than when we're walking in pride. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the Bible says in Isaiah 14, mm-hmm. he said, I, w- I will exalt myself higher than God. There's all these I will statements that that Satan made. And he was trying to usurp the authority of God. And it's the deception of the deception of pride, man. Mm. But that's so crazy that you, you get created and you're there yeah. and you're like, we could take heaven. Yeah. By storm. And it, that's what it, it's deception. It didn't work it's, too well, though. It's deception. <laughs> no, hey, where's my uh, computer at? Did not work well. You it's know, right the, the, the fall the fall that took place there um, obviously has impacted the, the world as we know it. You know, and as you now fast forward to this question, is we see that Satan was cast down from the heavens. So, as you said, that we it's alluded to that. Possibly Satan was the the choir director. Well, he lost his place uh, there in heaven, and he was judged. He was judged, and so were the the fallen angels as well. And they were cast down. Where did they go? You know. And so we see him here on Earth in the Garden of Eden. And the question is, why did God allow Satan to be in the Garden of Eden? I think one of the the things of, you know, the Bible says that Satan, he is roaring. He is wanting to always come against God. And the way that God, that Satan comes against God is by coming against his creation. Mm. Um, and we see that definitely in our culture today. You see that with homosexuality. It is rebellion, rebellion against what God has created, male and female. And all the way back in the garden, you see that Satan there is alluring uh, to Adam and Eve thinking that they are going to miss out on something if they don't follow his direction. Um, him having that ability to be there. I think the other question would be, everybody likes to ask, why the, the tree of good and evil? Why was it there? Yeah. You know, all true worship must be linked to honesty and truth, and it has to be predicated upon a choice. Yeah. 
God created man with a free will, a, a, a will that would demonstrate true affection, true adoration for the Lord. Because if he did not give us the ability to choose, true affection wouldn't be there. True adoration wouldn't be there. You know, somebody can put a, a gun to your head and like force you to say, I love you. But they're only going to do that because they're being forced to. It doesn't mean that in their heart they truly care for you. They love you. God doesn't want cheap love. He doesn't want to um, force his way into your life. He wants to give you an opportunity and a choice. And that you see that mirrored all through Scripture, through Adam and Eve, through Abraham. They were given a choice to serve the Lord. And I think that Satan being there is just one of those pawns that are used to... To clarify, like our um, love for God, our choice to ser- serve God over the deception of the enemy. And obviously the enemy from that point on has always came through the lineage of the nation of Israel and through the human race and to believers to try to discourage us in the walk of God. And Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. A choice, uh, love is a choice to be made, not an emotion to be felt. And so, as Sean was saying, a choice was set before um, Adam and Eve to obey obey the Lord and demonstrate love through that, and and they obviously didn't. They're, the only thing that the Lord will not touch in your life is your free will. Mm-hmm. He'll never touch your freedom to choose because he wants you to choose him in love. Um, that's our short answer. There it is. And remember that God, uh, Satan's not powerful. He, he, I mean, he doesn't have power over God, basically. Mm-hmm. He, could, he could bug you and harass you. But Jesus is the creator. Satan is creation. Always remember that. They're mm-hmm. not equal. Mm-hmm. Not even close. Mm-hmm. So people like to, always, Satan, you know, he's this and that. And it's like, yo, chill out. Like, Jesus is the creator. <laughs> like, he made him. Yeah. Yeah. The Bible says even in all of eternity, we will judge angels. Mm-hmm. And that the Bible says in Ephesians 3 that, Angels watch our lives to learn about the character and the nature and the love of God. So if you put that into perspective, Satan's a creative being, but he's not just a created being. He's a defeated being. Yes, um, is he powerful? Yes, is he deceptive? Yes, does he want to destroy your life? Absolutely, but we've been given power over him. Here's, here's from Luke ten eighteen. It says, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Mm. So mm. that just shows you when he tried messing with God. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Peace out mm-hmm. that fast. It's funny too. I got a, I got an Instagram post the other day from someone that's the guy put a lightning bolt in a in a post. They said, "Hey, uh, lightning bolt re- uh, represents Satan." I'm like, God created lightning bolts. Like people gotta like wake up. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh, they use that scripture. Yeah, oh. I did a lightning bolt. Oh, lightning bolts represent Satan. No. It says, I saw him fall like lightning. Didn't say Satan was a lightning bolt and got shot out of heaven. <laughs> and imagine, and it just goes back to deception too, because when you look at deception, how could somebody be deceived if they're in the presence of God? If they're being able to lead in worship, if that is the truth. And in one day, it says, like, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. That's crazy. And you brought up pride and you bring up um, those things that people battle with. Jesus there is warning his disciples to not get 
and, you know, followed up with pride when God starts using their life. Mm-hmm. And that's why he says, in just one instance, it doesn't matter if you're the choir director in heaven, you can be deceived. And that's why he says, mm-hmm. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Don't marvel that the demons are subject to you or any of these things that have happened to you in ministry, but marvel that your names are written in the book of life. Yep. Keep simple, stay humble, and know your word, and be open to the Holy Spirit, and then there's joy and peace. That's an amazing scripture right there. This is a, I'm going to do one more verse on this guy, Satan. Uh, John 1, 3, 8, The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason for the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil, or the devil's work. Mm-hmm. Dude, that's so crazy. He's been sinning since the beginning. Yep. A heavenly being. He's wow. a creator uh, of murder. He is a creator of lying. Mm-hmm. You know, all these things. And that's why you say, if you have hate and murder in your heart, if you are a liar, you are emulating the enemy. He's the accuser of the brethren. Yeah. You and the accuser of the brethren, all that kind of stuff, you're being used by, by the, enemy. the enemy. For sure. Cool. Right on. Let's do this. Well, next question. All right. How do we know the Bible wasn't made up by man? And is not a fake story to make people believe in something they want us to. I think the Bible is like no other book. The, the Bible was written by 40 authors over a period of 1,500 years. And there is perfect harmony from Genesis to Revelation. Um, there's no contradictions. Um, and so when there, there's obviously multiple arguments that um, we could spend all day on, all night on, discussing um, the authority of Scripture and the authenticity of Scripture. and um, But I, I, the Bible says that, that all Scripture is God-breathed, um, and it's profitable for rebuke, for exhortation, uh, so the man of God can be fully equipped for every good work. And so, um, I know you have anything to add to that? Well, it's not like the Book of Mormon where uh, (laughs) they're trying to find these cities that existed, and they can't find anything. If you look at Bible history, it's it's a historical book. Obviously, they're using it to find all these different sites, um, and they're finding them. We've talked about this on the the Brett Kunkel show a couple weeks ago, Mm -hmm. so... Uh, for more of uh, that question, I'd say look up the Brett Kunkel show. It was about doubts, the show, and then we talked um, in depth on that subject. But the Word of God is so very important to the Christian faith mm-hmm. because anybody can say something changed your life. You could say, I'm a Buddhist, and yeah. now my life's changed. Yeah. I'm in a new age, mm-hmm. and this. You know, I have all these motivational speakers, so that, that. So it's, it's predicated upon a, a philosophy. Why is the Bible so? That's why the Bible says, God magnifies his word above his own name. Yeah. It is so important to, to realize. And when you look at someone that says, well, how come the Christian faith, you say the Christian faith is right, but, you know, Buddhism was around like 500 BC and like all these teachings that were there. Well, you look at the Christian faith. What is the Christian faith? The Christian faith is literally the fulfillment of Judaism, Judaism. Yeah. which is yeah. the Jewish faith. Yeah. It's Genesis and then the New Testament bringing it together. So you can take the, the Christian faith going back all the way from that, the beginning when it comes in, uh, when you connect all the dots. And it is phenomenal. And no other book like the Bible has ever been able to be retained. You've, heard, you've done the studies before where it shows where you look at the, the wars of Caesar and all these things that we prove to be um, historical facts. When it comes to the Bible, there is so much more factual literature that is connected to the Bible, showing it to be true than any other 
artifact than any other portion of any writings in the world that back it, the Bible is backed up far more. So, okay. Why did God create flies? <laughs> <laughs> For that answer, <laughs> previous show. <laughs> exactly. Okay, guys. It's to got? pollinate flowers. You didn't know that? <laughs> like bees. That's nasty. Think about this. This is true story, listeners. So bees pollinate flowers, we learn, and also flies nice, do. Yeah. But flies are always on poop. And flies are dirty, yes. That is nasty. <laughs> Poor well, hummingbird. That's why you don't eat flowers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. And, next, and bees. <laughs> next question. They're going to get the bees. That's hilarious. Okay. I'm struggling with tattoos. I know the Bible says our body is a temple, but as a Christian, is it okay to get tattoos? Oh, boy. Here we go again. <laughs> Who wants to feed into this one? You go, Wade. Appreciate it. You that. have tattoos, hey. Wade. Yeah, thank you. You're going to uh, burn in hell. Yeah. Um, <laughs> obviously, we, we know the the um, what they just quoted, our body being a temple, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, different portions of the New Testament and the Old Testament. In the book of Leviticus, it mentions not uh, marking your body for the dead and um, and the repercussions of that. Um, I think it's in Leviticus, Sean, or yeah. Leviticus 15, Sean. Yeah. Um, so um, as it pertains to tattoos, is it the impartable sin? No. Is it sin to... Um, to tattoo your body, to tattoo your body, um, I think different people have on tat, on the issue of tattoos. I believe different people have different liberties. So, um, if you feel a conviction, don't get a tattoo. If you don't feel a conviction, then that's on you. And I got a question for you. Revelations nineteen sixteen in the, in the New King James, or here's the King James, says, and he hath on his, I'm going to go to the New King James, and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Mm-hmm. So, is on his leg, it's on his leg and his robe. His name's written. Jesus, we're talking about in Revelations. So he has some kind of marking on him. Mm-hmm. Isn't he going to give us some mark too when we get to heaven? So, I mean, he has a marking. I've, I've heard that verse before. But, yes, you know, as far as um, – I think it's just personal convictions. Yeah. Yep. If you feel uh, that it's bad, then don't do it, you know. But if you yeah. feel – you know, I've heard so many stories of people asking about a tattoo, like a revelation scene or something, and then the people start witnessing to them. So it also, it also works as a, a witnessing – uh, tool too. I'm not saying get it to be a witness. Yeah. I'm just saying I've I've heard amazing stories from them. Um, I have a lot of friends that actually tattoo people, and they they share with them all the time because they're sitting in their seat yeah. for six hours. Yeah. So it's I, all, it all comes to the whole. It all comes out personal work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. When you look at Leviticus, you mentioned that you know Leviticus is a mention to getting markings that are declaring the the day of dead or or like yeah. you know yeah. it's evil you yeah. know and that's what what he was rebuking there in Leviticus so they wouldn't take the culture that was surrounding them you know obviously it's the the matter of the heart with a lot of these things I, I would caution people doing stupid stuff getting yeah, sure. tattoos emotionally and the other thing is the funny thing is people get in scripture and they don't even believe them or they don't even follow them through yeah. they make you look foolish I'll, I'll, it's like putting a bumper sticker on, on your car or something like God that God uses the four stickers <laughs> yeah. all, like all of my tattoos I got after I got saved and when I was younger and I regret I regret them now um, yeah. 
it's fun trying to answer my kid about them. Yeah. So, well, I Mickey, mean, it, Mickey it, Mouse it, it, on your back. Yeah, right? it, it, it all. That, that, was yeah. that was a mistake. That was a mistake. That was definitely a mistake. No, every each his own, man. You know, so. that, that 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 uh butterfly and that rainbow, <laughs> or that butterfly and that navel piercing. That was also a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, you spending, hold on. If you're spending so much money on tattoos and you don't have a car, or you don't have things. That's another thing you got to keep things in balance too. People get they go overboard. On but some what does stuff. it say? Revelations, Revelations. I, I know what you're talking about. Okay, and on his robe was written. So it's on his robe yeah. material. But then it says, and on his thigh a name written. Yeah, thigh. They like, say it's a robe on his thigh. It's like right. his thigh. Yeah, but I think it would be speculation to go far as like it's a tattoo. It could be a marking. It's a marking. It could be a branding. It's a marking. I don't it know. is what I'm not it saying is. Jesus is getting tattooed. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. Some kind of marking. I mean, people, people, if they use that as like a backup verse, I, yeah. I mean, I, I want to use that. I know. I'm just going, what does that mean? Okay, so what else? What's next? <laughs> All right, next question. I don't think they're giving tattoos in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> How can I enjoy someone's last moments when I know, know their time is short? Perspective, man. Hmm. Perspective. I think it becomes enjoyable when, if you know that they're saved. Obviously, that drastically changes uh, the dynamic of a relationship. So, if they're not saved, all prayers and all your effort needs to go to to seeing that person um, accept the, the the Lord and, and give their life to Christ. But um, you know, the Bible the Bible talks about us being eternally minded. And this world is not forever. I think death is just the, the an amazing, uh, lack, for lack of better terms, but smack in the face of just how, how short life is. The Bible says that life is but a vapor. It appears for a while and it vanishes away. In fact, anytime you hear life referred to in Scripture, it's referred to as something that uh, very short. Psalm 103 says it's like a wildflower. It appears for a while and it vanishes away, and its place is remembered no more. And so you have to realize the, the brevity of life. And I think that goes for every relationship, whether the person is with you um, or, is, or is facing death or is, or is not. You, you have to value relationships. You have to slow down, and you have to value your relationships with your children, your relationships with your wife. You have to invest in relationships because when they're gone, it's too late. Mm-hmm. And so I think I've always said this in being in pastoral ministry. That's one of the things that's like always in front of your face. All the, I remember I went through a year where it was like every month I was doing multiple for a year straight, multiple funerals for children. And it just messed with me, man. And so it, it gave me like this unhealthy fear with my own children. Yeah, you know, imagine. of like this obsession of like, okay, I got to make the most of the second because it's, they may not be here tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but you have to invest in those relationships. You have to make time and and value when you're with them, but also when you're away with, from them, praying for them. And so a lot could be said on that issue. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right, next question. Do you guys like being parents, and how do you balance your time? <laughs> do I like being a parent? I Sean, do. do you like being I a parent? I love being a parent. To me, it's the, the gra- greatest calling mm-hmm. that you can have in your life. To be able to impact your children's life, there's nothing like it. Mm-hmm. When you teach the Bible, mm-hmm. um, to me, it just amplifies everything. From the trust factor that a child has for their father or for the mother... Mm-hmm. Um, the, the faith that they have, they love the adoration that they have mm. for you. The, the, the reality is that 
they mimic you. So if you you're acting like a fool or like or you know you say something dumb or whatever, they'll oh, mimic yeah. you. <laughs> the same thing as if you are doing what is right, like they'll mimic you. They watch you pray, they watch you read, they they see what you do. Um, it's it's a great thing. Um, I look at it; it has a lot of great value. And I know the question was like, how do you balance the time? You gotta you gotta fight for that time. Mm-hmm. You gotta fight for that time. You gotta be able to see. For us that serve in full time ministry, our schedules can be very crazy. And a lot of times, it's not gonna always going to be the quantity; it's going to be that quality of time. And you can't be like that old that the guy is like, oh, I'm gonna go do, hang out with my friends, go do this or whatever. You can do that, but dude, if you're not investing into your children. Dude, you're, you're missing out on what God has for you. Dale used to always say, like, if I see these guys going out on a fishing trip and, you're like, they don't have one of their sons with them, I'm like, do you think you're really making a mark on this earth, really? Go hanging out with your boys. Yeah. Like, the adoration that your children have towards you, like, there's nothing like it. And the, the lessons that you've learned in your own personal life uh, that you can pass on to them is a great thing. I know with my boys, like, I want them to... I think we did this on another show prior where it's like, I want them to be inspired for whatever God, God has for them. Yeah, totally. You know, I don't want them to fit in my mold. I want them to be who God's created them to be. My prayer is that the opportunities that I've been given, like in the Lord and the ministry, that they will su- supersede all that God's sure. in my life. You know, just recently they were asked, what do they want to be when they grow up? Uh, my oldest son, Cohen, says he wants to be a baseball player and retire to be a pastor. For Jet, he wants to be a UFC fighter and retire as a pastor. And then my little one, Uriah, wants to be a garbage man because <laughs> he wants to get all the toys that we throw in the trash all the time. <laughs> so it's like amazing to me how the affection that is there. And I, I think that it's hard. Yeah. There's nothing like it's hard. Dude. It's, it's hard being a parent because it's hard being a husband. Um, when you walk with the, if you want to be a successful husband, uh, father, it's going to come back to you dying to self. Mm-hmm. Just a relationship with God, denial of self, pick up your cross and walk. Being a husband, you got to die to yourself. You can't do everything your own way. You have to take another person's uh, life into consideration, your wife. Mm-hmm. And then for your children, you're not a single person no more. Yeah. Your children's life matters. God brought them into your life for a reason, and I just think you got to be mindful. I, I, I love being a parent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we have like three minutes, so I guess you go. It, it's a calling, you know. Yeah. Um, like when you're with your child, be with your child. Yeah. You know, be invested in your child. I think you can like bring work into that relationship, or you can bring ministry into that relationship. When you're with your kid, be with your kid. Someone once told me that um, kids spell love T I M E. The time, you know, invest in your kid. Like, like Sean said, you're not always going to have massive quantities of time with your children. But when you're with your kids, be with your kids, yeah. love your kids, and um, put on that hat. You know. Yes, I I want them to be whatever they want to be. You know, mm-hmm. just open up doors for them to yeah. to find their calling. What Sadie wants to be a doctor. I don't know what the identical twins want to be yet, but she wants to help people. But um. Yeah, it's uh, no, it's amazing. They definitely show you they mimic you, mm-hmm. yep. and you're like, "That's like me, or that's <laughs> like Crystal." What the heck? And uh, no, it's 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 exciting. It's definitely exciting, and it's you have to invest because, you know, if you don't teach them, then the world's gonna teach them. For sure, For sure. they're gonna learn somewhere else. And you know, I tell Crystal, I go, "We gotta be very transparent with the kids. We gotta protect them, but we gotta if they don't." 
we don't tell them yeah. certain things, they're going to learn it. You, yeah. you can't be checked out as a parent in this no, world. No, no. no and you got to watch like, like just like Netflix or something. Yeah. Like they'll be watching like PJ Masks or something. Yeah. Like the warrior, you know, those yeah, little yeah. saviors of the world. <laughs> and then all of a sudden they can just click on something else. Not, I mean, we, we do all the clicking, but dude, like Netflix, I mean, there's a lot oh, of stuff yeah. that has to do with like sure. witchcraft and like. There's this one show on the other day. I don't know how it got on. I, I looked at it, but there was like these dark shadows mm-hmm. with these like all-seeing eyes that they were trying to kill wow. these. I'm like, what the – dude, there's so much stuff that these kids – my point is these – if you're not paying attention, mm-hmm. these kids can just get the world – like penetrated with the stuff from the world. Sure. And there's a lot of stuff that is not cool that is just – in cartoon mm-hmm. format mm-hmm. that they can just go into their minds and they can just grow up with this stuff. So you got to watch out from a very young age, train them up, make sure that they're, wa- they're reading the Bible stories or mm-hmm. you're reading the Bible stories. I got young kids mm-hmm. and then they have like, you know, they have like the Bible app that has like the little cartoons or any of those kind of things. But yeah, no, it's awesome. I'm just, you know, honestly, I'm excited to be able to like want to, I want to take one at a time on a, not like a big tour I do, mm-hmm. but like a, a quick speaking engagement or something fun. Oh, yeah. Like I want to be able to take them on the plane and travel them. But now with the coronavirus, you know, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things I yeah, want to I do, do, but we'll, we'll see right now, you know, but, uh, I want to travel with them. Yeah, no, My dad used to sure. travel with me and I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. You know, it's been, uh, it's been awesome, but we're going to go to the break. Uh, if you haven't downloaded the whosoever's app, download it to get the last three years of radio shows at the whosoever's, uh, com. You can get it all. And um, trying to think what else is up there. Uh, we have our products. We have uh, all kinds of stuff. So get there, check it out, and we'll see you guys right after the break. Okay. More live with Ryan Race coming up. Is everything all right? Sure. Call now. 1-888-564-6173. Or post your questions using the hashtag LiveRyanReese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Uh, I think I speak for the entire administration hey, hey. when I say... Whoop-de-doo. Now, back to Live with Ryan Reese. Don't say we didn't warn you. Loud noises! All right, I got... Sean McKeon and Wade O'Neill in studio, and we are taking your questions. If you want to hit us up on the Instagram at the Whosoever's, shoot us a video message question or uh, type it up. Or just go to the Whosoever's.com and shoot your questions through. We love getting all your different questions and answering them here. Or you can even call in uh, to a live show as well. So what is the next question? All right. The next question. What is Calvinism, and how can we know who is right? How can we know who is right? All right. Well, first, let's break down Calvinism. Okay. Um, Calvinism is can be broken down into five points. A lot of people break down the acronym of TULIP. The T stands for total depravity. The U stands for unconditional election. The L stands for limited atonement. The four, the uh, the I, the fourth is irresistible grace. And um, the P is perseverance of the saints. So, I mean, a, a very basic way to break down some of these is to, be, to believe in the, the total depravity uh, of man. We believe in that, mm-hmm. you know, um, unconditional election. Um, they believe that 
some are chosen for salvation and some are not. Mm-hmm. Um, limited atonement, that Christ's atoning death on the cross is only for the elect, uh, the elect a select few. For those uh, ones that are chosen. Yeah, they believe in irresistible grace, meaning um, if you are meant to be saved, you cannot resist the grace of God in your life that you will be saved. Um, perseverance of the saints, that the Lord will preserve you to the end. We, we hold to that yeah. view. So a lot of, I mean, we're not going to solve this debate right now. Smarter people than us have been debating this for many, 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 many years, and the, deba- the debate continues. Yeah, and I think that you're, you're right. Like, when you go through these, like, there's scriptural backing to mm. each, each one of them, um, but what happens is you go to the extreme. Yep. And so this is a debate, and you said it like, the last 300 years, man hasn't been able to solve, and uh, uh, Calvinism, if it, being on one side and Arminism being on the other side, where Arminism is given more to c- complete free will, mm-hmm. and some of the Calvinism to the extreme almost seems like it would take the the free will out of it. Total depravity, it's not just being depraved, as the Bible says, um, all have fallen short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. That is a scripture reference. But they say so depraved that you don't have the ability to choose or to ask the Lord into your life by the Holy Spirit. You're so depraved unless God does this supernatural work you're not going to have the ability to choose it could go to that extreme and though man is depraved when god's holy spirit starts working in their life they obviously can come to the saving knowledge of the lord um the, the other one the limited atonement okay, only yeah. for the, for the elect and that, mm-hmm. those are the things that kind of get cloudy um but i think what it comes down to is you got to have balance mm-hmm. You know, there are, when we hear about Calvinism, you hear, hear it brought up, there's amazing Bible teachers that believe in all the, the five tenets of, of Calvinism. But usually what happens is it, it wavers on stuff. If you go to Calvinism to the extreme, evangelism actually starts to take a little bit of a backseat. Yeah. Because people, are, you, some are going to be chosen, some are going to be like, you know, you can't force, you can't, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just keeping things in balance. And that's like the Calvary Chapel mo- movement was always based upon being in the middle of both things. We believe that um, God has a choice. He has a responsibility. Um, and I think, it, again, it's just like with any other kind of teaching and doctrine, people can get very unbalanced when they're focused on, on yeah. one side. And whenever it comes to these debates of Calvinism and Arminianism, one thing that I, I caution people, if you start getting in the flesh in an argument about who's right over a spiritual thing, you've already missed the mark. Yeah. If you're getting all upset because your way is right and you're trying to win an argument over spiritual things, it's foolish. Got no time for that. I think the, the always a safe answer is abiding in Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, living an abiding relationship. And that's the philosophy of Calvary. The Lord, and that's, yeah. that's what we believe. Uh, you point to John 15. Um, and the the evidence of bearing fruit in a believer's life. I don't think the question is, has a person lost their salvation? I think the question is that was that person ever genuinely saved and filled producing and by the power of the Holy Spirit? Yeah. And so a lot of people, I mean, you have it in Matthew seven, Lord, Lord, we cast out demons in your name, we did mighty works in your name, and Jesus will answer to them, Depart from me, you servants of iniquity. I never knew you. And so you can Say you're say, you can even look like a Christian. The Bible even says in Matthew 13 that the wheat and the tares they grow up together. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. we can sit here and de- to debate the mm-hmm. theology or Calvinism and 
and all these different things. But are you do you do you have an, a relationship with the Lord? Are you abiding in that relationship with the Lord? We don't we're not um, saved by the works that we do. We don't believe that. Mm-hmm. We but the works that that take place in our life are, are natural um, outcome of a relationship with Jesus. Yeah, so, and seeing the totality of Scripture too, yeah. right? So. For you to say to somebody, and this is like you look through all the epistles that Paul wrote, and there is a lot of exhortation to your spiritual life, mm-hmm. to churches. Ephesus mm-hmm. was a church, one of the most prominent churches in the, the early church age. Um, uh, John taught there, Timothy taught there, Paul taught there. Obviously, his longest tenure was there, but there was a lot of correction. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing in, the, in Galatians, in the Galatia region, which... Um, spoke about multiple churches in that surrounding area. So these were churches that were developing spiritual growth, having a relationship with God. They were founded upon a missionary journey, evangelists going there, preaching the gospel, and now churches developing and them growing in faith. And Paul is writing to them to encourage them, like say, look, if you are a believer and you're walking by the Spirit of God, do you think it's right to continue going back into sexual immorality, into adultery, and all these things? He let it be known. That if you call yourself a believer and you are continuing living these lifestyles, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. And th- that's a big thing, too. It has nothing to do with, like, oh, um, can you lose your salvation? People can walk away. Yeah, People sure. can, can backslide and never repent. I believe that's what the Bible teaches. I, I think you yeah. see that in multiple places. Sure. When you look at the end of the, the, the book of James, even, it says, James says, Brethren, if anyone has been overtaken in a trespass, and you, as a brother, go back and restore that one, let it be known that you have saved that person from death. And that mm-hmm. word is eternal death. So he called them brethren. They walked away from the faith. But you were able to encourage them and bring them back to the faith. Let, 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 let it be known that you have saved them from punishment. Mm-hmm. It's not walking on eggshells. Mm-hmm. It's not you know, saved by works by any means, but it is that abiding in Christ, being connected with the Lord. It's not saying a prayer and asking Christ into your life and living however you choose. A man that is led by the Spirit of God is one that's going to be obedient to the Holy Spirit it's in just, his life. It's just basically like, look at Judas. Judas, uh, he was with the disciples. When they said, Jesus says, there's someone here at the table that's going to deceive me. Hmm. And they didn't even know who it was. This guy... Walk the walk. He talked the talk. He was basically, you know, we've talked about this before. He was the biggest poser in the Bible, mm. posing to be something, but there was no fruit in his life. He was corrupt. He was stealing. There was no transformation. Was he ever saved? Mm-hmm. No. Doesn't from the scripture doesn't look like it because no. it says that he was always stealing money from the from the yeah. the pot, you know. Yeah. And then he deceived Jesus, and mm-hmm. and so that's the whole thing. So yeah, do you have cat- a relationship with yeah. God. Or do you not? A yeah. lot of people get caught up on the predestination thing, and, and they'll quote Romans eight twenty nine, who for who he foreknew, he also predestined, and they stop there. They forget it. The Bible. If you read on in that verse, it says that they predest- He was. Pre- you've been predestined to be conformed into the image of His Son. That's the mm-hmm. sanctification work of the Holy Spirit in your life, in an abiding relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's man trying to interpret yeah. what mighty God has proclaimed. It's like, where does God's grace end and begin? We don't know. How, do, how come some, some people get so many chances um, compared to somebody else? Yeah. Dude, we, we don't know. The yeah. Bible says that God's ways are high above our ways. Like, 
and we just submit to him in the power of his word, and he will always show himself to be true and faithful. Mm-hmm. That's bomb. Yeah. Bomb.com. Uh, you know what? I'm going to hit on... No, I'm not going to hit on that subject. Okay, let's go for the next one. All righty. Next question. How can I be more in tune with the Holy Spirit, and how can I trust the Holy Spirit during evangelism? It can sometimes be difficult to decipher. Mm-hmm. Well, evangelism is is an interesting thing because, you know, we've talked on the show, shows before, about how, first of all, you know, a lot of uh, people that are not Christians, they, they just think that Christians want to come and close the deal, which in one aspect we do. We want to, we want to introduce people to Jesus. That's the Great Commission. But also it's on the, the approach. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where you get tripped up is the, in the approach of like connecting to mm-hmm. actually talk about God and depending on the Holy Spirit. So um, it's the way you the way you... I think the way you're going in for, for the approach and then I think the Holy Spirit will show up but um, it's just finding that common ground with that person because you can't just walk up and start preaching to the guy. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not going to go well and maybe this person is going, you know, I've been just walking yeah. trying to preach to the guy and how do I know when it's the Holy Spirit because yeah. it's not working. Yeah. I think it's the approach first of yeah. all. Yeah. And I think you have to be spirit. I, I'm not big on, I know a lot of people are, but I'm not big on these like um, different methods of evangelism. Right. I'm, I Do you know in, the methods? I don't even know what the methods are. There's a lot of them, but I don't, I don't want to throw them out there. Yeah. But, you know, but I believe in spirit-led evangelism. If the Lord leads you, he prompts your heart, he opens the door, then then go and obey and, and go in the power of the spirit. But also realize like the results are not in your hands, number one. Yeah. And the power is in the message. Yeah. Some 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 plant some water God gives an increase the Bible says, and so the 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 beginning of the question how can I be more in tune with the Holy Spirit you have to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit that's why Paul exhorts us to be pray praying and, and seeking the Lord for what the gifts of the Spirit are in your life you know you're not going to know the voice of the Holy Spirit apart from be, having a relationship with God through His Word you're not going to know the Holy Spirit through without a relationship. Uh, with God in prayer, and so you have to develop this relationship with the Holy Spirit and um, being sensitive to His moving and, and open to His voice and really feeding the Spirit and starving the flesh. So with that said, you know, when I do evangelism, like if I'm in the streets or at a concert or whatever, um, I'll talk to people, and then I'll see if God's leading in that... Con- I'll, I'll, I'll poke around as in, yeah. like, start a conversation mm-hmm. with them, start community you know communication yeah. and then either god will open the door and i'll go in get, you know i'll go in to to evangelize and then some it's it's not there yeah. and i walk away and sometimes you know people could try to force it yeah they go we're gonna go evangelize we're gonna go give the gospel to everyone we meet on the street well yeah. it might not you might talk yeah. to some person it might even you might not even lead you there mm-hmm. you might talk to them to kind of get it going however you get the conversation going mm-hmm. but it might just lead to praying for the guy and that's okay. Yeah. You might just pray. You might not even lead them to the Lord. You're just like, hey, let me just pray for your family. And that's okay. You don't have to, you yeah. know, close the deal or whatever. Or you might even just, you might just have a conversation and the Holy Spirit might not even lead you to even, to, to open right. up about the gospel. And that's okay too because this all goes back to being led by the Holy Spirit. But you're willing. And, yeah, you but know? you're willing. You're just putting yourself out there. And then some, boom, the Holy Spirit just does it and 
You just need to learn. You know what I mean? So it's okay. Like, you don't have to go close deals. Just be led by the Holy Spirit. And, um, yeah. I think the big thing is, like, not the methods and the programs. Yeah. You know, you, you treat people how you want to be treated. Like, if you were back in the day and somebody just comes up and just preaching to you without even really caring what you have to say, like, you, you don't want to be that way. And then being open to the Holy Spirit, it's not in different settings. I remember, you know, having uh, an opportunity when I was uh, getting my house and sitting down with a person that we were signing papers with and they start asking you, you know, what do you do, blah, 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 where do you grow up? And you start these conversations and then boom, it just entered into this conversation and actually you see the girl getting broken Hmm. by just a couple things that that, that we, we had said. It ended with her weeping and me and my wife praying over her and just encouraging her in the things of the Lord. You know, you look at the Bible and you see how how Paul and the disciples moved in the book of Acts. Like, you know, there's sometimes where Paul just came, like in the time of, of Athens, he came and he was just burdened. He was surrounded by a bunch of people that were religious. They were seeking spirituality, but they were confused. And then he, he looked for a common ground. He didn't just mock them and put them down. He says, look, I, I know you're very spiritual. You know, you're, you're seeking, um, you know, re- truth or whatever. But there's a one statue here that's to the unnamed God, unknown God. And I want to speak to you about the unknown God, the one that created the heavens and the earth and spoke the world into existence. And he gave, he met them at a level where they can connect. And then he gave them the gospel through it. Um, and you see that through multiple times throughout the book of Acts, even the way Jesus spoke uh, with people. Um, he talked to them individually. He cared about them as people. He knew who they were. Mm-hmm. And he knew the words that needed to be said at that time. And when you're led by the Spirit of God, like you said, there's going to be sometimes where the Lord tells you to speak and sometimes where it's just Mm -hmm. connecting. Mm -hmm. And maybe you're going to run into that person again, showing love, showing concern to them. And uh, the God God uses in a lot of ways. But when you get yourself caught up in a program, oh, if he says this, and I'm going to say that scripture. If he says this, I'm going to say that. I've never even, dude, that's so funny. But people do that. I never even think about that. And what you were saying, sometimes you just... Because if you're just in, if you're uh, reading the Bible and you have that relationship, you know you just uh, you just get in these conversations and God. Sometimes you don't even know God's using you; it just happens. The yeah. words just come out. Yep, He just gives you those words. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that whole program. If He says this, I'm gonna counteract him with this. He's gonna do this, dude. You don't think they see that coming? If you are, if your mode, if your mode in evangelism is to win an argument, you've already re- missed a mark. Your your heart in evangelism must be birthed. Through love, through the love of God pouring out of your life, the desire to see people know the truth that has set you free. Mm-hmm. And if that's your heart and motive, it's not just the result, it's being obedient to the Lord. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to be free in Christ. You're going to see that God it doesn't need you. He gives you the opportunity to be used by Him, but He doesn't need you. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we are just planting seeds. And, and sometimes if you force your way into someone's life, um, you got to have sensitive. That's why the Bible says the Lord forbid Paul and the disciples to go in a particular region. You have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit when to go, when to stop. And, you know, I, I've had that before when you start having this conversation about a, a particular thing. And um, yeah, maybe you almost got him. My brother, Ryan, was one of them. Like when I was sharing with him, I, his buddy that was a firefighter at the time said, your brother's really close to accepting the Lord. And then my brother did have some hangups. And then we started talking to a while. And, you know, he had questions. We went back and forth. And I felt like we just hit a wall and just left it. 
Yeah. And it's all good. And we prayed. That's it. A week later, he comes to church. He sits in the Bible study. Dale's teaching. Mm-hmm. And the, the study was on the untamable tongue, James chapter 3. Mm-hmm. And it broke him. You know, all of it was in preparation for yeah. what God was going to do in the end. Yes. Yeah. We're all just, um, yeah, we have different, um, God uses us in different ways. Yeah. But he's the one that makes it grow. For sure. Makes this seed grow, yeah. Evangelism is important. You know, the, the Bible tells us that we are to proclaim the gospel. We're living in a world today that has a lot of bad news every single day. You know, it gets over... It, it just can depress you so so easily, but there is a solution to be set free from this crazy world and its founding. But Christ. also, people are looking. Yes, that's all true. Yeah. But when you look, when this person that's looking at you that's not a Christian, what do they see in you that is even attractive mm-hmm. that they would even want this? You know, like yeah. are you coming at them with like all you got your questions all online, like you're trying to close a deal. Are you being judgmental? You want to win the <laughs> argument? Like you know what I mean? Like. You got to remember, they're looking at you. Mm-hmm. Like, do I want to be like this guy? Yeah. And that's the whole other thing. Yeah. So when, some, when you're trying to share with the Lord, just remember, they're looking at you going, do I, what am I looking at? And if I accept this, and then this is the, rep- this is the representative of this. And that actually really yeah. changes things. Yeah, sure. You know what I mean? You want to be cool. Like, yeah. cool as in like you want, you don't want to, you know. Scare them away, basically. For sure. Stand for what you believe, but um, it has to be attractive. And, you know, the real relationship with Jesus Christ and who he is and what he's doing in your life is attractive. Mm. That's the thing. I mean, we see all through the Bible. Do we have any more questions? Yes, sir. Next question. I'd love to know how to combat bitterness in a season of refinement. Mm. How to combat bitterness in refinement. Oh, man. It's a place where humbling takes place in your own life. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you got to let things that impacted you, you just take it to heart, you take it to the Lord. Um, but you can't live in a, in a world of bitterness, you know, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I was teaching my kids this the other day because uh, two of them had gotten in trouble in class the other day because, you know, my one son was kind of, belittling this other kid because they always get this answer wrong or you know my son Jet's smart so he he's right in these areas I'm like doesn't matter if you're right if you beat somebody down with your words and make them look foolish that's not good that's not pleasing me for the Lord you know and the fruit of the Holy Spirit and I just read it to them the difference between the works of the flesh and the work in the spirit because the work in the flesh hmm. bitterness comes out resentment hmm. jealousies okay. envy like it's all the flesh and you have the ability to tear somebody down with your words, and it just makes them feel horrible. Yeah. But you also you have the ability in the spirit to have uh, that joy, um, the, 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 the self-control, all those things through the Holy Spirit that can impact lives. Mm. And you just have to make a, uh, make a decision. When it comes to this, it is saying, Lord, I don't want to... I know the places in my life that I'm weak in. I want my life to be an example of you, and I just don't want to... I don't want to take any day for granted. So I don't want resentment and bitterness. It destroys me. It decays you. When you allow bitterness and resentment to own your heart, it actually physically starts to destroy you Mm -hmm. and spiritually hinder you. There's research, doctor research, that says that it destroys you internally. When you take everything to the Lord, you put things in perspective, recognizing you got to see people through the eyes of Christ. 
that's your wife, that's your children, that's your friends, everybody around you, because people are going to bum you out sometimes. You got to keep things in perspective. Nobody's going to be perfect, but you can't live a life and be justified in the Lord if you have bitterness and resentment towards people. The Bible says to guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. And so there's going to be times, seasons of bitterness, whether you're done wrong or you're uh, however you were treated was not fair or their situation was, was challenging. Um, you can't control the other person, but you can control if you bring your heart to the Lord or not. And so you have to bring, be diligent about bringing your heart to the Lord and refusing to live in that bitterness because it's bondage. It's bondage. You don't want to live there. The Lord doesn't want you to live there. You don't want to operate in the, in the flesh. You want to operate in the spirit. And you, the Bible says that the spirit gives life. The flesh profits nothing. And so to stay bound in bitterness, it's, it's, again, it's a, it's a choice. And there is a, it can be, a, it's that person that wrote in and said, it can be a season where you, are, you have to work through this with the Lord. And what the Lord's going to end up doing is he's going to end up showing you your own inconsistencies in your life. Mm. Not to condemn you, but to humble you yeah. and to say, man, by the grace of God, by the grace of God, there go I. You know, there was a guy that I was really close with here in the ministry. And, uh, you know, you've always heard that saying, keep your eyes upon the Lord, not man. It's easier said than done. We, we have the, because man's right in front of you. And especially if it's somebody that you lo- look up to, when you look up to them and maybe they discourage you, um, it can impact you greatly. You can have a resentment or bitterness like well up in your heart. And this individual started to allow, and this guy was the most happy-go-lucky, positive person. But I, I remember he went through a season in his life where he started getting bitter. Mm. And then when he started getting bitter, he started getting critical of everything. Mm. He started getting critical of all the different pastors and teachers and the church and this and that. You can find problems with anything. And it started destroying him and decaying him. And then he had to do some soul searching in his life. He had to be broken. He had to be humble. And dude, I saw a true miracle happen in his life because as a couple months went by, he was in this season. He came out of it. And it was by the conviction of his own heart. Who do you think you are? You've fallen short. And now God's using him. He's a pastor in another state now and being used in a powerful way. Um, But he went through a season where his focus got blurred and the enemy was trying to bring in deceitful or in um, bitterness and it was hindering him. But once that changed, then he was thankful once again for the people that God had surrounded him with. And he saw that, hey, nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it is a valuable time for refinement. So it's not, it doesn't come a lifestyle in the way of life. It's a change that leads you to do ministry for the long term. There it is. So we're at the end of the show. Um, I'm going to do something uh, to lighten up the, uh, the atmosphere. I posted this thing the other day. It says, Natalie, she's 99 years old. Advice for the younger generation. Always be happy with yourself and others. <laughs> 90 years Mary, old. Mary, 90 years old. Advice for the younger generation. Get a job you enjoy. Uh, Lola, 86 years old. Advice for the younger generation. Slow down. Doris, 89 years old, advice for the younger generation, take more time to enjoy life. The That's good end. wisdom. I know. I posted it. See? I saw it. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, I saw it. Absolutely. All right, you guys. We love you guys. Um, download the app. Go to whosoevers.com. We have products that support our mission uh, to reach this generation with the gospel message. Um, all the past shows with all these guys and many more on the app. It's for free. Send in your questions to the whosoevers 
Facebook.com or to the whosoever social media. Send a video message or a text message. We love you guys. Thank you guys for being on the show. Sure. This is awesome. Peace. This has been Live with Ryan Reese. To connect or find out more about Ryan, click on ryan-reese.com. Check us out next Saturday at 9 p.m. for Live with Ryan Reese. What do you do when the world around you is falling apart? It's amazing to me how many people are breathing air, they're going about their business and doing the things you're supposed to do. But if you really ask them, they know that on the inside, they are spiritually and emotionally and relationally dead. If we're not careful, all of us can experience that death. When what we need to do, even as the world around us is falling apart, we need to learn how to march when it would be easier to stay where we are and die. Join me each week on the March or Die show as we discuss that and so much more.